Hello, everyone. Welcome to a brand new episode of the 13th Man Sports Podcast and YouTube video. Uh, it's Shane alongside Frankie, as always. I know we've been a little bit hit and miss the last couple of weeks, but we will be back with weekly episodes every Monday morning at 10 a.m. Wherever you find your podcast, be it Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or end on YouTube, you can watch the video live. We also have something special to announce. Uh, we started up the 13th Man Podcast Network to help branch out into different areas, bring in different shows. So if you are interested in being a, a podcaster or a creator, let us know. We can help you. We can get you on board. But, man, it's been a wild couple of weeks in, in sports. The NFL started up. CFL is well into their season. MLB is in the short race. we got a lot to talk about today. We'll start off with some CFL talk. Frankie, I know we both suck at our pick this year, but Winnipeg's <laughs> the team to beat. They beat Saskatchewan back-to-back weeks. The East is a cluster mess right now of, of you know teams at like two and three, three and two. It's crazy right now. You know, I, we did – I mean, first of all, I'll say this. The only thing that I'm worse at than CFL Pick'em this season – is actually updating what our picks have been in the spreadsheet that I have. Um, I have to go back through our texts and find all of the picks that we've made, because I think I'm like two weeks behind at this point, um, <laughs> and I have no idea what anybody has picked, and I have no idea what our records are. Uh, but they're, they're, they're bad records. I think you're probably ahead of me right now in terms of overall record, but I think you're probably still well under 400% or 40%. Probably. I mean, um, In I... terms of being correct. Yeah, it's been rough. It's been a rough time for us. I think I've had two back-to-back weeks where I go one and three. And, and I don't know what it is, man, because like these are games that you just feel like you should know the winner, and then they just don't go that way. Um, particularly like Hamilton. You know, They start the season 0-2. I pick them both times, and then I pick against them, and they win two games in a row. Um, Edmonton has been a little bit of a wild card for us because – you and I both are not high on Edmonton. That's why they've sat towards the bottom of our power rankings. And that's why every week when the CFL puts them out and Edmonton is in the four to eight range or the even four to six range, I cringe because they're not that good. And then they have BC way down the line when you and I are both pretty high on BC and we have the number two. It's just weird. Um, but yeah, like you said, Winnipeg is the team to beat in the CFL right now. They put two beatdowns, not one, but two beatdowns on the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. And they were never close. Saskatchewan looked bad in those two games. Yeah, I mean, that offensive line looked like the offensive line that we all thought they were against. Probably the best front four and front seven in the CFL. So... Everybody looks bad against them, though. I mean, <laughs> to a certain even, extent, I think I mean, Toronto, Toronto, when they did beat Winnipeg, had that game where they looked really good on the offensive line. But I, what I almost wonder if that one was more of a Winnipeg let their foot off the gas because they beat them the week prior, and you know they came out and they just didn't have the it factor that they normally do, right? They still had the four sacks or whatever it was, but they just didn't have that dynamic feel that they did against Saskatchewan. I mean, we talked, they, they talked about it on the commentary the whole game where Jackson Jeffcoat and Willie Jefferson were talking about what's more important to them. Like, would they rather get a sack or would they rather get a knockdown? And they're like, we want the ball. Forget anything else. We want the football. 
And that's what they normally bring. And if they're only getting sacks, as crazy as it sounds to say, they're not at their best. They they need to be getting knockdowns. They need to be getting sacks. They need to be causing turnovers. And that's what they've done really well against Saskatchewan in the last couple of weeks. Yeah, and I mean, I think if you look at Toronto, I mean, Toronto's a team that you really don't know what you're getting from. Like, one week they're really good. The next week they're, mm-hmm. they're dog crap. And Toronto's a, a completely different conversation that mm-hmm. we'll get to later. But Winnipeg, that's the, the Winnipeg Saskatchewan. I, I said it earlier. I said it in like week four that these are the only two times these teams meet. I don't know why they only yeah. meet twice. I think Winnipeg plays like. Well, we're saving the third one for the West final. Yeah, but it seems weird that Winnipeg plays Edmonton like three times and then Saskatchewan gets a game against Ottawa. Personally, I think it would have been nice to have like three matchups against Winnipeg and Saskatchewan. Yeah. That would have been sick, especially later in the year when they could be vying for. Uh, a one-two spot and that game could matter a lot but man Winnipeg coming in five and one after this week or after last week they're looking to run away with the the, the league they're not even looking at just the west they're gonna they're gonna run away with the entire league mm-hmm. and would you disagree that Zach Claros is the best quarterback in CFL right now because I personally don't think it's even close I mean it's hard to really say because the, his two competitors have been hurt this year. And I think if we look at like a, a healthy week one through now, a healthy Bo Levi, a healthy Mike Riley, and healthy Zach Caleros, and I said it before the season, Caleros was up there with them when healthy. That offensive line has kept him healthy. I think he's, the, he's, he's your MOP candidate. Like he is the leader right now. But it's going to be very interesting to see as Bo Levi, Mitchell, and Mike Riley have come back from injuries, they're starting to find their groove, how the rest of the year shakes up. Because those two arguably can win or lose you a game easily. Yeah. Well, I was, I was thinking about putting together an article at the midway point of the season that was going to be, um, you know, five candidates for the league MOP at the end of the season. And I'll tell you why I scrapped it, Shane. It's because I couldn't come up with anybody who was even remotely close to the level of Zach Kolaros in that conversation right now. Because to me, if I'm going to be honest with you, it's undoubtedly Zach Kolaros. The season ended today. Zach Kolaros is the MOP, and there shouldn't even be two thoughts about it. He should oh, yeah. get 100% of the first place votes. Oh, 100%. He's been that good. There, There's no one who has been better than him. There, there's no one even close to mm-hmm. him. There, there's Zach Kolaros, and then there's everyone else this year. And again, you can probably put it on like, you know, if you had if you really had to choose another player to be in the running, it's it's probably his teammate in in Willie Jefferson. I would even consider Michael Riley just because I think he's been so good this season. And you know, I wrote it in the power rankings when I said if Michael Riley came into this game with elbow issues and they were concerned that he wasn't going to start the game, nobody would have ever known if nobody told us before the game because he came out and he looked phenomenal against the Red Blacks, who, granted, couldn't tackle anything and definitely couldn't defend the deep ball. Um, but you know what? If he gets healthy and gets to 100%, BC might be a team that causes people a lot of problems because they have a bit of a pass rush. Their their linebacking core is not too bad, especially with Bola Combo back there, who I thought had a really good game against the Red Blacks. Their secondary is pretty good offensively their offensive line's a little spotty, but I think they can have their moments where they, you know, win teams, their, their team a game. And you want to talk about Michael Riley with Brian Burnham 
and and Shaq Cooper and like all the way down the list of receivers that they have. You can even go down to Dominique Grimes. Like that football team is capable of winning a Grey Cup. And that's why you and I have been so bullish on them and had them so high in our rankings every single week compared to everybody else. Yeah, and I mean, you add in the fact that, you know, uh, Fajardo is expected to miss some time. I'm not, I haven't heard exactly how much, but I think it's at least... Like I think he was running with the one. I think he was with the ones today. Oh, he was? Because I, I, I didn't see with anything about today. him being in practice. So, if he did. does, if he does end up missing time, you know... At three and two between the two teams, that's a huge advantage to BC. Personally, mm-hmm. I think you know Saskatchewan is its own worst enemy. If if Bo Levi gets healthy and Mike Riley gets healthy, there's a good chance that those two finish in the top three, and, and maybe there is a west to east crossover versus a east to west crossover. We don't know. Still, early. I think you can pretty much write the east to west crossover off with the Red Blacks looking as atrocious as they did, even sure. though no. We, we haven't talked about it yet. We will get into it. But the, the signings that they've made with Kenny Stafford and Terry Williams and Terrence Williams, who, by the way, are different people. <laughs> yeah. Apparently. Um, and also, this Terry Williams is not the same Terry Williams that's in Edmonton right now. I think he's in Edmonton, right? I think so, yeah. Yeah. There's now two Terry Williams. Um, and Terrence Williams and Terry Williams are never going to tell the difference between. I already know it. Yeah, and I mean... Looking at who Ottawa, like who, I mean, we'll we'll talk about Ottawa a little bit, uh, a little bit more later. Um, but sticking with BC, like that, the overall offense, that team should be in the running for for the West. And I mean, yeah. they don't, they haven't played Winnipeg yet. I don't think they play Winnipeg until like Week Nine. Yeah, and when, let's uh, let's talk about their game against Saskatchewan too, because that's the team they're going up against. If not for that yeah. first quarter of that football or the first half of that football game, they yeah, win I mean, yeah. and, and they win pretty handily. And I think a lot of a lot of had to do with that was Riley's injury at the beginning of the season. It it, it put the Lions in a bad spot. It put Nathan Rourke in a spot where he had to scramble a little bit to get ready to go. And I think we saw that with the entire offense. Like nobody was no one expected Rourke able to, start. to make the plays that you expect them to be able to make. Yeah, and mm-hmm. I mean, for BC... And I think had Michael Riley started that football game, they would have been fine. I think so. And I mean, looking at BC, their next three games, against Montreal this Saturday, then they have Saskatchewan next Friday, and then yeah. uh, the following Friday, week nine, they have Winnipeg. So yeah, those the next three weeks are critical, especially week eight and week nine. You're playing against Saskatchewan and Winnipeg. If you can beat Saskatchewan and Montreal... And go into that week nine matchup five and two, they're in a very, very good position for themselves. Yeah. Like I said, we we both really like what the Lions are able to do. And I think are we maybe starting to see a bit of a turning point in Rick Campbell as well? I'm not sure. Like I, I compare this Lions team a lot to the 2016. Red Blacks team. They have the weapons. You know, the offensive line is decent because let's not kid ourselves. That 2016 offensive line in Ottawa wasn't the greatest. Neither was the defense. And the defense made plays when they had to, though. They were opportunistic. I'll give them that. The BC Lions defense is opportunistic. If you make a mistake, they can make you pay for it. No doubt about it. 
They have the weapons. They yep. have the and we, so we saw that. We saw that with against the Red Blacks. Yeah, like I think you're you're looking at a lot of the 2015, 2016 Red Blacks. You know, the big question with Campbell is can he win without a Hall of Fame quarterback? You know, and I think well, I mean, obviously a lot of teams, you know, you if you're a Hall of Fame quarterback, you're gonna win. But if you look at, you know, Saskatchewan, they they when they won in 2013, Darian Durant is not a Hall of Fame quarterback. He had, he put up respectable numbers. He was a very good quarterback when he played. He's not, in my opinion, he's not a Hall of Fame quarterback. You don't always get these quarterbacks who are Henry Burris, Anthony Calvillo, Ricky Ray. And that's what separates a great coach from a good coach is being able to win when you don't have a big name quarterback. And I don't know if, or a big name offense. I don't know if Campbell Campbell's that guy. I don't know if you lose a couple of these players, how does that team look? I don't know, but he's making the most of what he has and he's taking advantage of it. Yeah. I think that's a tough question to ask too, because if, if we look at what he got handed in in Ottawa, very, very similar team to what we're seeing in Edmonton right now. And, you know, it's led by the same quarterback. The number one receiver is the same guy. The running back, although James Wilder Jr. is a little bit better, I think William Powell is on that same kind of level uh, when he was in Ottawa and healthy, right? Defensively, they're pretty similar again. Um, And we see what's happening in Edmonton right now. They are not a good football team. They are – we got to talk about them for a second because what the hell was that? Like, Shane, I am so – I'm not an Elks fan by any means, but I am so frustrated watching one week Trevor Harris come out and throw for nearly 400 yards with four touchdowns that look like one of the league's elite quarterbacks and then come out the next week and suck. It's got to stop. Like, at what point okay, but here's the does thing, a team though, say, that... dude, what are you doing? But why – he's like 35. Do we Should we really expect someone to change – what they've been their entire career at 35 years old. I highly doubt it. He's an inconsistent I just don't quarterback. Under, I don't understand what it is, but does he just like go into the week preparation after a good game and not do anything? I've, does he just like, does he think that he can just do nothing and per- perform like he did the week before? Probably. Like, what is the, what's the difference in his week of preparation from 400 yards and four touchdowns to 292 yards looking bad and throwing one touchdown to one interception. And we're going to hear a lot about people talking about uh, the sacks that they were giving up. Shane, did we not watch a play? There was a couple of them like, like this where his check down route was wide open and he's staring at him, staring at him, staring at him and just not giving him the football. And then he gets hit and sacked. Yeah. I mean, that was a problem he had in Ottawa. He, he likes to hold on to the ball. He doesn't take the safe option. He has a weak, like the amount of times that he would throw the ball to the wide side of the field when he had a dump off on the short side of the field and it would be a like it would be an interception. It's like you don't need to I think he has this mentality that he has to force balls or he has to make the flashy plays to be some elite quarterback. That doesn't make you an elite quarterback. I don't care that you can throw sideline to sideline. What makes you an elite quarterback is making the right decisions and winning games. Yeah. That's what separates Mike Riley and Bo Levi Mitchell and Zach Caleros to Trevor Harris, to, at this point, honestly, even Nick Garbuckle, Cody Fajardo, Vernon Adams. like, And it's not that those quarterbacks are bad. They just 
they have a habit of not necessarily making the right decision. And I mean, it's okay because Mike Riley and Co- they do it too, but it just seems more frequent with the other guys. Yeah. And I mean, I, I love to compare guys to Tom Brady, right? That's been my go-to. I'm always going to bring up Tom Brady when it comes to this, because there's one thing that Tom Brady does that you literally cannot teach. And that's his bad games are never bad enough to the point where it's going to cost his team a football game. Sure. His defense might have to go win him a football game right now and then his receivers might have to go make an extra play for him. His running back might have to score three touchdowns in a night, but he's never going to lose you a football game. When Trevor Harris is bad, he loses you football games time and time again, right? Peyton Manning, perfect example. Peyton Manning in that year, the Broncos won the Super Bowl and then he retired. He yeah. was atrocious. He, 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 was he couldn't throw. He yeah, couldn't he, throw, but he never, ever took his team out of a game. No, he, he did just enough. He always gave him a chance to win. win the game. That's really all you can ask for out of a quarterback sometimes is just give us a chance mm-hmm. to win. And, and you know what? As much as we talk about Matt Nichols as a game manager, when he was with Winnipeg and healthy, he did not lose his team football games. He didn't win them, but he didn't lose yeah. them. And that, to me, sure, Trevor Harris went out and he won his team the football game in Edmonton or in Calgary the, a couple of weeks ago. But you know what? He came out last week and he may have lost his team the football game. Yeah, and I mean, you know, looking at a guy like Arbuckle where he almost, he, he legitimately almost cost his team a football game. Mm-hmm. Uh, with that throw mm-hmm. up duck that I don't know who any, anyone was thinking about. That. What was that? I, I don't know. But, you know, he may have been trying to throw that away, but just take the take sack. The sack. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, and, and and this isn't to hate on any of the other quarterbacks, especially Vernon Adams, because I am a huge fan of his. Oh, and I, feel and I, like, I mean, I love Nick Arbuckle too. I, I want to see that guy do well. I, you know what? I don't love Trevor Harris. Making? Yeah. I don't there's, love Trevor Harris either, by the way. That's I very mean, important. yeah. I, I Trevor Harris is a completely different topic, but you know, when you watch these kids play or these, these young, you know, players play and it's like, Hmm, this decision-making just, you want to be elite. You want to be considered a best of the best, but then you throw something up like that, or you do mm-hmm. a decision. And it happens, obviously every quarterback makes a mistake like that. And it's how you respond to it. That matters. But I just feel like when it comes to Trevor Harris and a couple of other quarterbacks in the league, um, Mazzoli being one of them, they if they make a mistake, like a bad mistake, it derails their entire game. And that's – Mazzoli has that aura around him, right? Like that he's going to throw his interceptions, and he's going to have games where he costs his team the football game. That's exactly why Red Blacks fans are hoping that they don't sign Jeremiah Mazzoli in the offseason. Why is it any different with Trevor Harris? That's my like. Why do we still have this belief that Trevor Harris is the best quarterback in the CFL in some circles? I, I don't why? know. I mean, like Michael Riley. I'll be honest with you. Michael Riley is the most consistent quarterback in the CFL, bar none. That guy comes out every single game and he plays his best football. And Zach Kowalski this season has been better, but I also give Mike Michael Riley a little bit of a Buffer's room, especially this season, because his elbow has been literally a ramen noodle. That's one way to put it. <laughs> but, I mean, I agree. I don't know why why people are so such in a hurry to defend a guy who is – he is what he is. You can't defend that. He He's inconsistent. He makes mm-hmm. bad plays. He'll be hot one week. 
cold next week. You really don't know what you're getting out of him week to week. And you can't like we saw it in Ottawa. We like he was hot in the East final. We're like, cool. Similar conditions. Yeah, the field might have been a little bit worse. But then he goes into the great goal looks fine. And they just he crapped the bed. He couldn't make his reads, he couldn't make his throws. Yeah, there were some drops here and there that might have played a factor into it, and that does matter. But overall, he just never looked good in that game. He never looked comfortable. And that's just a repetitive thing that we saw with him. And I don't yeah. know why. Like, honestly, if I'm Edmonton and they don't make the playoffs this year, I would not be surprised if they walk from Trevor Harris and they tell him in the offseason, hey, bye. Like, yeah, neither would I. You, like, your signing bonus, everything, like, sorry. Because we can't pay you that kind of money for inconsistent play. Yeah. And yeah, it like, wouldn't shock like, me. 37 years old or 36-year-old year old next season, I'm sorry, you are who you like you are what you are, and there's no difference. Like Yeah, if we were seeing, I don't know, Jake Jake Mayer play the way that Trevor Harris had been playing. You know, he's hot one week, cold next, fine, he's a rookie. And we see it all the time in the NFL. Uh Josh Rosen had that terrible season, and yet people wanted to bring him in. Um Zach Wilson had his his flashes, but he also has his moments where he's not great so far. Um, and Josh Allen was pretty terrible for two years. Like, but when it comes to guys that are older, like let, let, let's think about Case Keenum, the first time that he looked bad after that season in Minnesota, gone. Nick Foles, first time he looked bad after that great season with Philly, gone. Ben Roethlisberger, this will be his last season if he's not good enough, gone. Not, not even a question. With these older quarterbacks, at the first sign that they are not performing at the level that they expected, they will be gone. And the same thing will happen to Tom Brady when that happens, if that ever happens. I think he's going to play until he's 75, to be honest. Yeah, <laughs> um, I mean, but like, I, I just don't understand why he's kind of gotten this pass. And I think it ultimately it comes down to the fact that he's leading the league in passing yards like he does every single season. But those are empty numbers to me. Yuck. Yak yards. Let's like let's not pretend that yak yards don't inflate a quarterback's passing yards because they do. You know, mm-hmm. if you f- throw for four thousand yards and your receivers combine for you know fifteen or fifteen hundred or, or two thousand yak yards, and we've seen it in Ottawa where you know he may have four thousand four one thousand yard receivers, and half of their yards are from yak. Well, that inflates everything so it's like yard yards are are meaningless in my opinion they're a meaningless stat overall unless you look at the yak yards that the receivers that he's throwing to are compiling yeah very briefly before we move on to the east i just want to make one final point about that edmonton calgary game um i found myself watching that game and saying okay trevor harris is having a bad game i i don't see him pulling himself out of this bully by mitchell on the other hand I was like, that guy's having a terrible football game, but how is he going to elevate his team at the key moment to win this football game? Because that's something yeah. he does, right? He does that. Michael Riley does that. Zach Kovaros does that. Cody Fajardo has done that in the past. I think he's just got to be, you know, now that he's seeing that real competition in teams nobody's about, I think he's going to get a little bit of a bigger challenge here. So I'm interested to see if he can continue to do that. But Bo is the guy for that. And I think we saw it again, you know? It didn't yeah. matter that he looked bad the whole night. He brought his team into a win, and he he looked good when it mattered the most. 
Yeah, I mean, Bo and Mike Riley are, are the picture, per, like, they're the poster boys for that. But And Zach Kolaros now, again, that he's healthy. Yeah, well, that he's healthy again. Uh, but moving on to the East, you know, Hamilton, Toronto. Uh, we already talked about Ottawa, but we'll talk a little bit about them more. But the big news out of Hamilton, Dane Evans is on the injured, like the six-game injured reserve. Like, he he's yes. done. Mazzoli wasn't, like, Mazzoli's done as well. He He's a question mark. So they're on to their third string quarterback. Their season can get derailed real quick. Real quick. Yes. And Orlando Steinauer keeps saying that Mazzoli is probably going to be back. And I kind of see that that happens, you know. But what did worry me a lot today, Shane, I don't know if you saw it. Steinauer was saying a lot of good things about David Watford today in the media. And that scares me about the health of Jeremiah Mazzoli for next week. Because when he's talking about his backup quarterback like that, and he's saying all these good things about him, it really sounds to me like he's at least somewhat doubtful that Mazzoli is going to be ready to go. I mean, yeah. I mean, I think if you're a coach, you can't really bash the guy who's taking first team reps early in practice, no. right? So you have no, I don't to think show so, but... that like, you have to portray that confidence in the guy. That's as a coach, you have to do it. Um, if you don't, you're you can't. You're a bad coach, in my opinion. You you have to be confident yes. with who you have out there. So I'm not surprised that he's kind of pumping his tires. But I think if Mazzoli is ready, he starts. Oh, absolutely, he's starting. I, I don't think that's even up for the qu- a question. Like if Jeremiah Mazzoli walks into the to the building, um, who do they play next week? I don't even remember. Uh. I know it's not auto. That's the week after. Yeah. Uh, they play Calgary Friday Calgary. night at seven o'clock. And it's in Hamilton. Hamilton. In Hamilton. Yeah. So if Jeremiah Mazzoli walks in, it's importance field two hours before the game and says, coach, I think I'm about 65%, but I can play if you need me to. doesn't matter. He's playing. Uh, I don't think so. I, I feel like he has to be like 80 or 85%. Ready. I don't I don't see Steinhauer putting in a guy with the risk of having to take him out within the first half because he's just not playing well. I in my opinion, if if um if Warford play like takes majority of the first team reps throughout the week, he's the starter. I think by well that okay, so that that to me the other thing Steinhauer said he he said practice reps aren't necessarily going to decide who starts this game. And I think Mazzoli's had enough reps to know what's going on. You know, he's a veteran quarterback. He started the season as a starter, so he went through all of training camp as a starter, basically. The first two weeks of the season, he was a starter. I think he can easily just walk back into that role without too much, you know, extra practice or whatever. I think that's just that kind of player. Maybe. I just – I have a feeling that if, if if he's not at least 80% healthy and, and he hasn't taken a majority of the first team reps, I don't see Steinhauer putting in a player – in a position to fail. No, I don't know. It's it's tough too because they're basically in a win situation. They need to win these games. And mm-hmm. dropping to two and four could be dangerous. Like considering they play Ottawa the following week. On so, a short week, too. That, that's a Wednesday night game. Yeah. So if if let's say, you know, Hamilton loses and they go into Ottawa, two and four, Ottawa's one and four. Then you and I, and then for some, somehow Ottawa beats Hamilton. 
They're both two and five, but you're last in the East. Mm-hmm. Like, and you know what, Shane? We could be looking at a very different Red Blacks team by the time next week starts. As we said, they've had a couple signings. I think it's going to be another week for Dominique Davis to kind of settle in. And I think he looked pretty de- decent in the first half of that football game, too. But after he threw that pick to Bo Lacombo, I think it was he, he was in a different headspace, uh, overthinking a little bit. And But I think, you know, for the first half of that game, and I think against Montreal, he looked pretty solid. So I think he can win them some football games, you know. If that it's it's just Hamilton is such a tough spot because Evans isn't going to be back for that game. It, I think they said four to six weeks for Dane Evans. Yeah, I think so. So uh, they're in tough because they really didn't look good with Mazzoli earlier this season. Yeah, it's interesting. It's it's going to be very interesting to see. Uh, Toronto though takes the win by one. Um, I don't think anyone really saw that happen. They won seven, like seventeen to sixteen, Get a uh, kicker. because of a missed field goal. Get a kicker, or missed extra point. I missed extra point. And man, uh, what a what a rough ending! Like, I honestly like I, I thought Hamilton was going to sweep this week. Like those two weeks, they were going to put themselves in a comfortable position in first going in against Calgary. So they kind of had a buffle, like a buffer between between them and Montreal, but they, they looked bad. Even with Dane Evans in they, that offense just looked mm-hmm. awful. That offensive line is not good. And, you know, again, we're going to get comments about how Brandon Banks missed the game about um, they, they're missing a couple of other receivers as well. They've just, you've got guys banged up, but Shane, you know what disgusted me about their play calling in that game? I put this in the recap, and it was one of my biggest focuses. What the hell were they thinking by giving Sean Thomas Erlington the ball three times, three three rushes before I, that last one? Where he scored, he scored. He had four rushes all all game long. I don't know. And they teed I, off on Dane Evans. Yeah, but they also couldn't get the run going. But it just. But you didn't try. That's part of the problem. And, I mean, you look at what Sean Thomas Erlington did, and, I mean, he had a 20-yard run for a touchdown. Yeah. You ran the ball three times otherwise. You didn't try to get it going. Yeah. You just said, oh, okay, we can't. Yeah. And then you let your quarterback get hit. Yeah, you had five rushing attempts for 26 yards. Yeah, I I don't know. I. I, I have no idea. Like that, that one drove I me nuts felt, because I definitely Sean felt like Thomas they ran the ball more. They did not. They didn't, and uh, that was a lot of just Dane Evans running around in the backfield and getting sacked. Yeah, I mean he had he had, it's it's crazy. Dane Evans had three three carries for thirty two yards. It's because the running game was working to some extent. They just didn't want to do it, and I, I don't. Because you weren't down by 27 points. You know what I mean? To 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 be in a position where you needed to throw the ball every down. You have Sean Thomas Erlington, one of the more explosive running backs in the league, and you just sat him in the backfield and didn't even do, do much with him. Like he didn't even have a ton of receiving yards. It's not like you ran screens or anything with him. You you didn't give him the ball in any kind of situation. You just kind of threw it in these medium to deep routes that weren't open. And I just I just didn't understand it because 
the more they did that, the more the Argos defensive backs could just back off. Yeah, and let I, them throw the ball right into them. And there was room to run. And we saw it right at the end of the game. That's why he had that wide open lane for a touchdown. Because Toronto was like, they're definitely passing the ball here. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I mean, even looking at Toronto, like your leading receiver was DJ Foster, who, I mean, has looked good in his two games. But I don't know. This game was just ugly. It was just not like mm-hmm. it was like personally. It was a bad someone, football game. Well, as someone who loves defense, I, I personally loved it because there was a lot of good defensive play. You know, I, I love a good defensive battle. I'd much rather have a good defensive battle where every play matters versus a shootout sometimes because then it just gets boring. And when the defenses are getting lit up, in my opinion, it's just not as much fun. Mm-hmm. When mistake, like when, when the offense is in pressure, in pressure situations, I personally love it. I, I love when offenses are in pressure situations, but – Overall, this the team did not look good. Neither team looked good. Yeah. Um, we do have to end up moving on here shortly, but I think we can both agree. Best team in the league by a long shot, Winnipeg. Worst team in the league by a long shot, Ottawa. And then everyone else is somewhere in between. See, see I wouldn't say that Ottawa was the worst team in the league by, the long, by a long shot. I think they are. I, I think if, if Ottawa is not, not – Ottawa's heavy underdogs in any matchup they walk into right now. Is that going to be the case when they get Kenny Stafford going and potentially other changes? Like they have, they're on by healthy. And I mean, we, if you look at like a healthy Ottawa team, like, and I think this is why I, I don't really feel sympathy for, for Hamilton or, you know, Saskatchewan with, with losing players, you know, AC Leonard on a two game suspension and whatnot. Like, Personally, I, I don't feel bad for you because Ottawa, it's the same thing with BC. Like our quarterback is not healthy. If Matt Nichols is 100% healthy, which no one knows, like no one knows, like everyone knows he's not. Like if his shoulder is 100% healthy and, you know, Coombs is healthy, Flanders is healthy, like everyone on that team is healthy. It's a completely and different Abdul ballgame. Kinane and, and yeah, Abdul Baltimore. Kinane, Sherrod, Baltimore are the two most important ones there. Yeah, like – Ottawa's also reeling from injury that have impacted that team. So I don't really feel bad for the like the other like other fan bases who are talking about injuries and whatnot because Ottawa's had their own. Every team deals with injuries. Tell you overcome it. Ottawa's not built great, but if we're talking healthy matchup to matchup to matchup, healthy teams, I don't think Ottawa's that bad. Yeah, maybe, but I mean, you are who you who you say you are, pretty much, right? And they've, to me, said they're a bad football team, to be honest with you. And it, it it hurts me to say that because I want to see them do well. But they're a bad football team. Maybe they should and trade that, for Dennis. Maybe. I mean, that's like this is just the reality of it. They have to do something. And it's like encouraging. That. It's encouraging to see what they have done, though, because they brought in some players who could have an impact. Uh, and I don't think that it's the end of it, to be honest with you. And is now a good time to bring up what uh, – we saw from Del, uh, De, uh, Delvin Hodges. Yeah. Doug. Or Jordan Slamoslik saw. Yeah. So before before we switch over, before we take a break, uh, Jordan Slamoslik, uh, friend of the show, great kid, uh, doing his own thing. Yeah. You're the one who mentioned it. I was able to find it. It looks like uh, Delvin Hodge, uh, Duck, former Pittsburgh Steelers quarterback, uh, on Ottawa's negotiation list, could be heading north and could be up here. Uh, in the next like couple of days, by the looks of the, there is a picture posted of him, what looks like to be a Canadian football. 
And I don't think there's any way that's an uh, NCAA football too, because if you actually look at those NCAA footballs, yes, they have stripes on them, but it doesn't go all the way around the ball. And those stripes are only on the top of the ball where the laces are. Yeah. And this picture is him driving in his car uh, with a football and you see the backside of the ball up in front of his steering wheel and the white lines continue around it. It looks like a Canadian football. So that's something to watch in the next couple of days. Um, he may have already signed with the Red Blacks by the time this episode comes out. We may have gotten news on this that it's complete malarkey uh, and it's photoshopped or something, but um, hey, that's a story to watch because story. Uh, Ducky Hodges, yeah, Ducky Hodges spent some time with the Pittsburgh Steelers in the NFL. I think he got released from the Rams this offseason, uh, but he had a really good season with the, the Steelers in 2018, I think it was, or 2019. Uh, and he almost led them to the playoffs after. If you remember, it's the same season where Mason Rudolph got his head beat in by Miles Garrett with his helmet. Yeah, that was uh, that was funny. That, I'm so, not gonna lie, that was pretty funny. That's but one like, to watch for. It is now. now that we know he's his, okay for sure. Yeah, I mean, looking at his story, it's kind of hard to tell what's going on. But hey, maybe he's up here uh, sometime this weekend, ready for coming up for over the weekend. Who knows? We'll uh, guess we'll find out. But that could be uh, well, that could be a big boost for the team. Like I, I, he won't start obviously, and I don't think he'd play at all this year. But that's the kind of player that if you bring him in and it works out, we've seen flashes of what he can do already. He's got a decent arm, and he's also pretty funny. He likes duck duck calls. That's why his nickname is his nickname is Duck. Um, <laughs> so uh, I'm interested to see what happens if he gets signed. It's a storyline I'm following for sure. Oh yeah, it's going to be huge if Ottawa if Ottawa signs him. It, it, it's huge. But with that being said, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll have some NFL talk, uh, talk a little bit about uh, the the U sports, what's going on there, quick kind of summary, uh, and then jump into some MLB talk before finishing off with uh, some Formula One. So we'll be uh, we'll be bringing back. on youtube or Spotify. <laughs> if you're not well that sucks i don't know what to tell you but uh, thank you all for <laughs> i don't know why you're still here we're like 50 minutes into this point yeah uh if you're watching on youtube spotify apple music wherever you're listening to thank you for tuning in remember to subscribe so you don't miss any new episodes of the 13 man sports podcast but we're we'll heading to some nfl action uh it was week one of the Those nfl mafia. season uh, you know, last year, I think we've established Steelers fan here. Uh, Frankie, you are a Bills fan. Kicked it off week one. Uh, we'll talk about that later because we do have Thursday Night Football to talk about. Tampa Bay hosting Dallas in a showdown, honestly. Um, you know, it was a 31-28 last-second field goal by Tom Brady to uh, – not Tom Brady, by the Buccaneers to win that game. No, it was Tom Brady. Tom Brady did that. <laughs> you know what? I, I wouldn't be surprised. He, he seems he can do everything. Hey, remember when I said I like to compare every quarterback to Tom Brady? Yeah. You well, you know what? I, every kicker? And right, right back, no, right back to um, remember how we were talking about Trevor Harris just doesn't have that clutch gene, right? When he gets the ball in the last minute, it's like, okay, how's he going to ruin it? 
when Tom Brady goes that football in the last with the last whatever was left on the clock, like a minute and a half, I immediately I was in a in an Xbox party with Nick and I told him Tom Brady is going to drive down the field and win this football game. There was zero doubt in my mind. There was nothing that the the, the Cowboys could have done in that situation that would have gotten in the way with that destiny. Like it, yeah, it was I... just when you give Tom Brady the football back in a clutch moment, you've already lost. Just give up. Yeah, I mean, it, you don't you don't shoot yourself in the foot like that by giving Tom Brady, uh, you know, any time left to to win you a game to win the game. That was just bad management. But you know, Dak Prescott looked fantastic. Uh, he can't throw the ball sixty times. I think he threw it fifty eight times on Thursday night. You can't continue to do that. They get Zach Martin back for week two, which should be a huge boost to that running game. But even though they Zeke lost, I think Zeke is done, dude. I think Zeke is done. I don't know. I. I don't think so, but man, I'm, I'm firmly so. off the Ezekiel Elliott train. Yeah, I'm, I'm on train. Tony Pollard is going to have the starting job by week seven. Would not be that. That's a hot take. I don't know. I feel like running backs are so hard because you don't want to work like. And I think this is the problem that we're seeing a lot of college workhorse quarterback or running backs have short careers. Mm-hmm. You know. Christian McCaffrey wasn't really a workhorse. Like he wasn't here every day on back in college. Uh, I think Derrick Henry wasn't even a no. every day on back. That's why he was a second round pick. Like, you know, Najee Harris wasn't even an every down back and he was a late first round pick. Like, I think you're going to start seeing more teams. Do you want another hot take? What? This is Ezekiel Elliott's last season with the Cowboys. Oh, 100%. Do you know where he goes like, after that? I'm going to say Buffalo. Buffalo. <laughs> Figured you were going to say yeah. that. And that's not because I necessarily want him, but I think the Bills, especially if Devin Singletary doesn't have a good season this year, I mean, he um, had which a good I think he looked game. okay. He looked pretty decent against He looked Bills. okay. I would not be – this is this is Ezekiel Elliott's last season in, in Dallas. They're going to get rid of him. Tony Pollard is going to be the starting running back there, and I think he gives them a little bit more finesse, less power. I don't know what it is about Zeke, man, but just ever since his rookie year, it's gotten worse and worse and worse. And I worse. just don't think he fits the system anymore. Uh, like I like, Possibly. I like, I like Kellen Moore, but I just, I don't feel like he's a quarterback, like a, a running back. I mean, that fits what Dallas is trying to trying to build. I could see him kind of being a a, a good option in in Buffalo. You know, I think Arizona, they have a little bit more of that power run system, yeah. right? I think yeah, Dallas I think, is more. Let's get the ball to the outside and get our running back in space where he's just not built he's for not that. Finesse. Yeah, he's not finesse enough for that. Mm-hmm. You know, he I could see he could end up in Arizona because I feel like that that fits what Arizona is looking for. There's a couple of teams that if he becomes a free agent in any capacity or he's available in any capacity, could be looking to bring him in. But mm-hmm. it was a crazy start to the week. It was a crazy end to the week. And there was a whole lot of mixed up yeah. In the middle. I okay, so I, I came under fire Thursday night. I put out a tweet saying CFL over NFL. Yep, no, I still agree. <laughs> uh I my reasoning isn't that the, the NFL games are, are bad or they're not exciting, but the people who call them are boring. Like it's just a boring watch. Unless you know, Tony Romo has been a brush of fresh air in the broadcast booth because he brings that excitement. Mm-hmm to the game that you don't hear from a lot of other guys. Yeah. 
Um, before we get super, super into the NFL, can we just quickly mention Oregon beating uh, Ohio State? I don't know. Did you watch oh, that Oh, yeah, game? I heard about that. I didn't watch it. But I really like, was, I was unbelievable. following along. And I mean, I don't know, man. I College football is such a – College football is so much fun. It is because you don't know what, what to expect every week. Mm-hmm. But I'm to me, you know what? I'm all I was a Texas Longhorns guy for a while, but you know what, Shane? I'm off the bandwagon. Forget the Longhorns, okay? I'm Cincinnati Bearcats now. Why, dude? Because you know what? I really like Sam Ritter. I really like him, and I think I got called an idiot basically for saying that there's some players on the negotiations list in the CFL that have a legitimate chance to make it to the CFL and become impact players, that's the dude I was referring to. Sam Ritter, if he comes to the CFL, watch his tape. This kid is a talent that I think will likely have a job in the NFL for a little bit, but then might kind of be that guy that is on the outside looking in, has to look to the XFL, maybe the CFL. But I think he's a good quarterback, and I, I think he's really, really entertaining to watch. That's fair. I mean, there's going to be a couple of guys in the college world this year that uh, that take a couple of people by storm. But I, the college game is so interesting. There's so much going on. Mm-hmm. But there's too many know, games, which kind of sucks. But yeah, yeah, way way too many games. <laughs> um, but going on to going back to the NFL, kind of a crazy week. Uh, Where do you want to start? Man, a lot of rookies started. Like a lot of rookies started. You got, you know, Trevor Lawrence with uh, Jacksonville. You have uh, Wilson with the Jets. I don't think a single court- rookie quarterback won their first game. Jones lost. Uh, no, because Mac Jones lost as well. Yeah, and then Fields. Fields should be the starter so. in Chicago. But why? Why don't we quickly go over? You know, Texans. Tyrod Taylor. Leads the Texans to a week one win over Jacksonville. Kind of crazy considering that he got replaced by Justin Herbert uh, of last year due to a punctured lung before a game. And Josh Allen. He got replaced twice. Yeah. Yeah. What a a way. Like, I feel bad for him. But he he goes out, leads the Texans to a win over division rival Jacksonville, 37-21. Damn good game. Watch the highlights. Uh Trevor Lawrence looked like a rookie. Like he just he he looked like a, a guy who showed flashes, obviously, but there's some learning curves, some learning pains. This is gonna be an interesting one too, because I don't think he's really had that taste of adversity yet. You know, we we t- like it was talked about a whole bunch. He hasn't lost a, a football game since like middle school. He's yeah, never he's- thrown three interceptions in a football game. This yeah. is really gonna test what Trevor Lawrence is made of. Yeah, I mean, he. I think his first loss at the college level as a starter was uh, the the championship game. Yeah, um, he threw through he threw three interceptions. But hey, Peyton Manning had a horrible rookie season, and look what like. So, and, and this is why I say. So did Nathan should, Peterman, by the way. Yeah, well, like <laughs> we shouldn't. And I said this before. We shouldn't call a player a bust or a bad player after one year. We shouldn't call a player a great superstar player after one year because because there's only one year give me consistently i think trevor lawrence will be fine i think the biggest news that came out of jacksonville was 
there was reports that Urban Meyer, I don't know how I don't know how true it was, but I saw some reports saying Urban Meyer was thinking about resigning as head coach of Jacksonville. What a joke. Because his heart wasn't they in shouldn't it. have hired him to begin with. And like I know we didn't talk about it with Chris Jones potentially like getting hired by the Argos and resigning after one game as a high school coach. Who like I understand you can like you, you can resign from a job whenever you want. Like that's not an issue. But like when you resign after one week, you've had all this prep time, you went through preseason, and then you go into one week. You go to week one and you lose, and there's reports that oh, I'm gonna resign because my heart's just not into it. Like that's cold. That that does the players dirty in my opinion. Yeah, to me, the Chris Jones one's a little bit different just because he's leaving a job to go up to a higher level, right? But, I mean, he's coaching the Jaguars, so let's be real. He's, like, basically coaching a CFL team. But Urban Meyer's at the pinnacle of coaching football, right? And he's just like, all right, I don't really want to. That's that's ridiculous. They yeah. never should have hired him to begin with. I think he realizes now that the water is probably about right here. He has – a tiny little bit of a tiny little bit of oxygen. And I just realized too, most people are going to be listening to this podcast form. My hand is just over, just underneath my nose. So he is still breathing. But if that water gets a little bit higher, he's done. He's realizing that. Yeah. But I mean, like there's not like there's any real expectations for this Jaguars team. Most people are expecting... No, but to not go 0-17 Yeah, is not be the, the first team to go 0-17, but there's no real expectation for this team. So... I don't know why he's stressing. Just go out there, have fun, let them learn, do what you got to do. Heading on to the second game quickly, Chargers versus Washington. Big news out, Fitzpatrick's out, I think six to four to to six weeks with a hip injury. Herbert wins the first game of the season. You know, not really much going on there. I want to see the Chargers against. No, there was actually something going on. I I don't know if you saw this. Um, there was a sewage pipe that bo- broke over top of the fans and somebody got covered in, like, shit water. Oh, that sucks. <laughs> I think, okay, I think that was the like, most entertaining part of that football okay, game. Okay, I'm talking about things that happened on the field. Not much happened on the field. What's, why don't you want to talk about the shit water? That the- <laughs> because that's not something that I care about much. That's just unfortunate. I feel bad for the guy. <laughs> it was um, so funny, though. Seahawks, Colts. Seahawks kind of just dominated this game from the start, 28-16. to 16. I... Seahawks look dominant. They look like their old lines actually know what they're doing. They have a running game. Their weapons are there. I know it's only week one, so I'm not going to get too hyped about it. But there's a serious chance that the Seahawks, and you know, we'll talk a little bit about it later, but the Seahawks and the Rams and the Cardinals, like that division is going to be so yep. tight. Those divisional games are going to matter so much. And the 49ers too. Like they're a good football team as well. Like, you know what, Shane, the thing that I think we, I mean, we haven't gotten to the Rams game yet, but holy crap, Matt Stafford takes that team to the next level. Stafford is Like, do they not look like serious Super Bowl contenders after that game? The most underrated quarterback in the last like decade, Matthew Stafford. Mm -hmm. I've said it multiple times. He is one of the most underrated quarterbacks to ever play the game because he played in Detroit. Um, Like, again, I'm just coming back to the, the thoughts that we had about CFL quarterbacks earlier. Look at the guys who won, right? Tom Brady won. Matthew Stafford won. Um, who who else? I mean, Aaron Rodgers. Jameis Winston is kind of putting himself into that. 
Yeah, he uh, you know, destroyed. But again, Aaron Rodgers, very much like Trevor Harris. Yeah, uh, Trevor Harris though, like, is kind of in a way just like Aaron Rodgers, where his bad games are really friggin' bad. Yeah, uh, but going on, you know, the Jets lose to the Panthers in a close one. Zach Wilson uh, losing his first game uh, to former quarterback of, of Sam Darnold, who had a, who had a decent game. Uh, they probably got away from the game plan a little bit. But they they get a, a week one win over the Jets, so good on them to keep in that division race. Mm-hmm. As the the Bucks and the the Saints have won that game, one of the two overtime games, Bengals with Jer Burrow coming back against the Vikings, they ran that ball more Same times. Same old Kirk Cousins. Yeah, I mean, but twenty seven twenty four victory for the Bengals. They get the win to start the season. Impressive game going to overtime, getting that win. It's going to be interesting to see what that team is really made of as they face stronger competition on both sides. Yeah. But you know, if you're the Bengals, hey, you can take a week one win. That, that's a that's some uh, positives to week go into week two. Um, you got the Cardinals beating up on the Titans, and I think this one yeah. was a big, you know, Arizona thirty eight to the Titans thirteen. I think a lot of people was expecting this to be a lot closer. Offensive line, man. That. So this is what happens when your offensive line gets beat. And Taylor Lewan said it. He's like, we're going to use this. And we're going to get better from it. And that's exactly what they have to do. You know, I mean, they got what? destroyed. I mean, that defensive front has what Chandler Jones, who got uh, five sacks, TJ, uh, JJ Watt. Like, that, yeah, that's the JJ Watt effect, man. Like you get so much attention on you when you're JJ Watt that it opens up other opportunities. Yeah. Like I, the Cardinals look dangerous. I'm excited to watch it. 49ers win a close one against Jared Goff and the Detroit Lions, 41-33, eight-point victory. They get it done. Jared Goff and the Lions didn't actually look that bad. Yeah, I still don't like Jared Goff, though. Again, do I, it's the same I, thing. He's just – he's not going to win you a football game, but I think he will lose you football games as well. Yeah, I mean, he – hey, I'll give him credit. He looked decent. He had some mistakes, but he looked – Overall good for in his first game with the Lions. This one, it's going to hurt you. Uh, Steelers versus Bills, 23-16 to 16 for the Steelers. Pump, uh, what, a pump block for a touchdown is basically the difference in this yeah. game. Uh, the offense. Mm-hmm. The, the, thing, the thing with this game, Shane, like Buffalo's offensive line was awful, and Pittsburgh's defensive line is unbelievable. And it's just – it's the worst combination you can have, right? And I think the Bills' defense looked pretty good in the first half of the game. And there's some kinks. I'm not worried about the Bills at all. And there's a couple of reasons for that. One, Cole Beasley is more likely to catch COVID this season than he was a ball in that football game. Uh, two, Josh Allen overthrew Emmanuel Sanders a couple of times. And I think that's more a factor of Josh played one half of football in the preseason. And he forced the ball to Emmanuel Sanders a bunch. But they really, other than that, haven't had much game action together. I think that eventually is going to come. Uh, um, and just like, I don't know what it was, but the play calling was just horrendous. Like that fourth and one, people were saying the pass interference that got called was the game. It was a turning point. It was an iffy call. Sure. But ultimately like turn around, turn your head, right? Make the play that play call on fourth and one. I don't even know what that even was like run the ball. QB QB draw is literally the play you draw. You, you run right there. There's yeah, nothing I mean, especially else. Especially with Allen, like he's gonna he's get there. Tank. He's gonna fight for that yard and he's gonna get it. Yeah. <laughs> like, what was that play? Uh but that was the turning point. 
And from that point, I think this is one of those games that you're going to look back on. And last season, it was when they, they lost two games in a row to the Titans and the Chiefs, respectively. Those yeah, are the games where you look back, and the Cardinals as well, sorry. When, they, when you lose games like that, that you think you can win, and you get shown up by the other team, builds character. And I think that might be something that this team going into the season, they may have bought into their own hype a little bit. And I think this is one that – this is going to be a season-defining game against Miami. Like, what do they come out, up with against a division rival after you just got embarrassed on your home turf? Yeah, I mean, it's going to be interesting. Buffalo is the favorite to win that division, but can't count out Miami, can't count out New England or the Jets, really. Like, that division, yeah, Bills should be the favorite, but there's a reason why they play the games, and those division matchups mm-hmm. matter more than ever this year. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, the Steelers, that offense looked kind of iffy. Uh, I'm not – I wasn't really impressed. They need to get the running game going a little yeah. bit more. I mean, but, Bills – to be fair, the Bills' rushing defense last season was bad. It looked okay in that game. Yeah, um, I mean, when you have a, a new OC, a whole – basically a whole new offensive line, the running game is going to struggle a little bit. I'm not overly worried about it, but it, it's something that I, we need to see more of. Mm-hmm in the coming weeks before it really becomes a problem. Yeah. If you think your team is going to win the Super Bowl after this week, you're dumb. If you think that their season is over after this week, you're dumb. Unless you're the Jaguars. Um, <laughs> their season is definitely over. I mean, even but, the bears, I, I, I wouldn't really can't, I, yeah. I wouldn't count that. Out. But like, but, you know, let's look at some of the football, like the bills lost this week. Um, the Packers got smoked this week. The yeah. Titans who were a very good football team got crushed this week. Like, there's good football teams who lost games this week, and there's bad football teams who won games this week. Yeah, right? and I mean, looking at you, Philadelphia. <laughs> well, hey, Philadelphia handled it, handed it to Atlanta, thirty-two to six. The Jalen Hurts era in Philly is off to a great start. I liked what I saw. I didn't watch the game. I, I watched the highlights. I was able to catch the shorter version. I liked what I saw of him. I think he's going to do well in that Philly's offense. That division mm-hmm. is a total gong show right now. They're they're leading the division one and zero. Only team like realistically, they Dallas should be in that conversation, but you can't sleep on the Eagles. The Eagles yeah. can nine and eight win wins that division. division. Nine and eight easily. wins that division easily. Um, the close one where I was actually rooting for the Browns because I've been as much as I'm a Steelers fan and this might piss off some Steelers fans. But I've always liked the Browns. I've always wanted them to do well. I find in-division competition is always great for the division. Having all four teams being competitive is always great for for the overall season. So wanting the Browns and the Bengals to be competitive has always been something that I've I've always accepted. What about the Ravens? Ravens have always been competitive. (laughs) The Bengals and the Browns have always been the iffy ones year to year. I've always expected, like I've always wanted them to be successful. I've always wanted them to have success and and win football games. So when they were up, I think they were up like uh, twenty two to to ten at one point. You know, KC came back one thirty three to twenty nine. This is what happens. Like you have to be able to close those games up. The Browns weren't able to close it. If the Browns lose next week. I don't like their season could be derailed real quick if they lose next week. Who do they play this or this upcoming week? Um, we had it ticking by there, but to me, they like, play much like, Houston. Okay, so it so they should, should win. be a win. It should be a win. 
much like Buffalo in that sense, right? I think Pittsburgh's a team that's probably going to make the playoffs if they play defensively like the way they did against Buffalo, who, by the way, has a very explosive offense. Um, so that's no, like, it's not a weak opponent to hold in check. Um, Cleveland, again, that's a moment in their season that they might be able to use in the future, right? If they go into Kansas City, because the road to the Super Bowl leads through Arrowhead, oh, if they go back into there, you've got things in your back pocket now that you've learned, right? You go for it on fourth down. And they did that. They did that very nicely, and they converted multiple times. That was one of the Bills' reasons. One of the reasons that Bills lost because they kicked field goals, and you can't do that. You'd rather come up empty-handed in Arrowhead, as stupid as it sounds, than to kick the field goal. Yeah. Um, but they were close. And if not for that Baker Mayfield interception late in the game, which, like that throw that Nick Arbuckle made uh, in in his game was just a throw that he should have just probably taken the sack on. Yep. That's just something you stick in your back pocket and you you draw on that for inspiration the next time you play them. Because you know what? That Cleveland Browns team is a friggin' good football team. And if they would have played anybody else this week, I bet you they win. Oh, probably. And again, that's why like next week is a huge week for them because if they can pull out a win against Houston, which they should, their season's on track. But if they lose to Houston and they lost last year in a very – Close game. I think they, there was only like 13 points scored in that game. Deshaun Watson versus Terod Taylor. Yeah. Like, you know, I, but just saying that, like, if they lose this game, it could be a problem for them down the road. Yes. But with that being said, the next game, 30 to 38. Packers lose to the Saints. Winston throws 104, I think 146 yards. Five with touchdowns. Five touchdowns. Yeah. Like, yeah, I think he's the first quarterback to throw for five touchdowns and under 150 yards. I, I saw that number. And I'm like, that has to be a mistake. Um, but like Jameis Winston is a good quarterback. And I, I think that's something a lot of people didn't take into consideration this season. Right. It was, well, he's had 30 interceptions one year in Tampa and 30 for 30. Yeah. But you know what? That's just part of the system that. They had there, right? They had Bruce Arians for that year. Bruce Arians was, let's throw the ball deep and and hope for the best. And that results in a lot of interceptions for Jameis, but it also resulted in 30 touchdowns and 5,000 yards. Like, the the guy is a good quarterback, and now that he's under a system that I think is going to do him very well, he should be fine. And they were talking about, too, he's had one receiver that was drafted. And he was drafted by the Packers in like one of the late rounds. He's thrown to a bunch of nobodies in terms yeah. of drafted uh, drafted players. So I don't know, man. That Saints team, they, I might not count them out, but it's James gonna is going to give that team. He's going to give the Buccaneers a run for their money. I think. Oh, 100%. It'd be, it'd be nice to see. Uh, but going into the next game, we got the Broncos versus the Giants, twenty-seven to thirteen for the Broncos. Teddy Bridgewater wins his debut as Broncos starting quarterback. I honestly Saquon Barkley sucks. I'm kind of surprised that Carolina gave up on Bridgewater so early. I I like Bridgewater. I think he's a solid quarterback. If he doesn't have that career defining knee injury, he's still in Minnesota. That knee injury mm-hmm. really came back. But he looked good in his debut with Denver. And I think there's Denver- no better place for him to resurrect his career than a place like Denver, who has invested so much in the stuff around him. Yeah. You know, and they've got a good defense. Like, this Denver team 
I heard somebody talking about them on YouTube. I think it was Strong Opinion Sports, who I've definitely brought up in the past. Um, he was talking about how they might be one of the Super Bowl dark horses if they can get on a little bit of a run. And while I think that might be a little bit of a, a uh, like a, not necessarily a stretch, because I could see a reality where Teddy Bridgewater gets back to his self and starts just pinging the ball around. But I think it's a very big long shot. Oh, 100%. Hey, look, but defense hey, wins they, championships. They can do it. If they get into the playoffs as a wild card, because they're not winning the division, unless Patrick no. Mahomes gets hurt, and no one wants to see an injury, obviously. But unless Patty Mahomes gets hurt, that AFC West division is for Casey. Like, it's mm-hmm. theirs to lose. But Denver, you know, that wild card spot, that's huge. They, they could squeeze yeah. into their And you never know what happens, too. Like, say, for example maybe the Steelers end up being a wildcard team and they go into Arrowhead and they win, you know, entirely possible. Cause that Steelers defense is just so good. Right. Who knows if, if you just make it to the playoffs, you give yourself a chance to win the Super Bowl. Hey, there, and, there's no, there, there's a reason why they play the games. Right. Mm-hmm. So that Broncos team, man, if they can just continue to just be the Broncos and, and Teddy Bridgewater can just, play good enough they stand a chance i think i think they and could especially with von miller and nick chubb like in chubb exactly exactly that defense, chubb on those end like... they've this is the same team that took peyton manning's corpse to a super bowl championship yeah, yeah. hey there's a hey there's a member of that super bowl winning team on the toronto Argonauts right now in uh in ray in ray shane ray so it's crazy what happens a couple of years later but yep. going into another uh uh, AFC East matchup, the Dolphins with Tua versus Patriots, Mac Jones, the battle of former Alabama starting quarterbacks. Tua comes out on out on top by a single point in a 17-16 to 16 win. I know as a Bills fan, having one out of the three teams in your division win is, is nice. You're going in against Miami, so you can technically take the division lead with a win next week in week two. But Man, what, these two quarterbacks are going to be a lot of fun to watch in the next couple of years. Yeah, I, I don't know. I'm not a Tua guy. Like, I, I really – I never bought into the Tua hype. And, I mean, Shane, we watched him get slapped around by Matt Barkley last year. Like, he beat Mac Jones and he beat the Patriots fine. You know, I, I don't think the Dolphins are a bad football team. I don't think Tua's a bad quarterback. They're just not good. Neither is Tua. So, hey, they might make me eat my words next week, but I think this is a game that the Bills should win next week. Um, and the jury's still out on Mac Jones as well, by the way. I'm not a big Mac Jones guy. I think Mac Jones falling to the Patriots was the worst thing the NFL ever happened. Really? <laughs> like, I, I personally think that it, it, Mac Jones going to New England was the perfect thing for Mac Jones and for New England. Maybe. He fits exactly what Belichick wants. Maybe. It's going to be something we have to wait and see on. I just, I'm not ready. It might be early for him to start, I think, is one of the biggest things. If Cam Newton was vaccinated, he'd still be on that team. Most likely. I think it's it's one of those things uh, with, like, one of those things that possibly, but we're not going to get into that on this show. Um, we just did. Fin- <laughs> finishing off with the Sunday Nighter, Bears versus the Rams. The 14th we already touched on that one a little bit. Beat down by the Rams. The Rams just look like the better team all around. Yeah. Stafford looks like an elite court, like a top five. 
top 10 quarterback. Stafford to Cup is a Super Bowl quality combination. Oh, 100%. that's all I have to say about that game. Like, you know, they, even though the Bears defense is solid, they, they can only do so much before mm-hmm. they're tired. Like, it, it's crazy. I think the Rams are the fa- like should the the Rams should be looked at as a favorite to come out of the NFC for that Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Agreed. So and I mean the Bears they're just in for another disappointing season if they don't start Fields. Yeah, is it time to talk about the Paper Tiger, Baltimore Ravens as Brandon Mackey would say? Man, I I mean that was the next game on the 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 Ravens versus the Raiders. I had the Ravens winning this game. Like, honestly, Imagine getting outplayed by Derek Carr when you're supposedly elite. But, like, Derek Carr is a good quarterback. I don't understand. Derek Carr is an okay quarterback. He's a good quarterback. He's okay. He's good. He will not win you games. He won't lose you games either, though. I think. Debatable. Here's the thing, though, is that you actually look at what he had to work with. It wasn't much. Like, if you're talking about a quarterback that kind of falls into that Matthew Stafford situation, like, he had a Marty Cooper. And Khalil Mack. And did nothing with it. There was nothing else to do with it. Like he had, like, realistically, Amari Cooper has done well in Dallas and, and Khalil Mack has done well in Chicago. But let's, like, Derek Carr doesn't, didn't really have much to work with in Oakland. Yeah. With the Raiders. Like, the team that he has now, though, with Josh Jacobs, Kenyon Drake, Darren Waller, Hunter Renfro is decent. And right. And, and Henry Ruggs, um, that team should be good. And I mean, defensively might be their limitations, but I think we're going to learn a lot about Derek Carr this year. I'm not a massive Derek Carr fan. I don't hate him. I think he's just kind of there. You know what I mean? Like he's he's one of those quarterbacks that I would toss into the category with like Jared Goff as sure you might be able to win with him, but you're not going to be able to consistently win with him. See, I feel like Derek Hart is a quarterback that you can consistently win with. I feel like he falls in the Stafford category of like, you know. Maybe, maybe, but I think like, like it's he, the same. he's good. He just doesn't have enough supporting cast around him year to year to, to have any kind of consistency. Let me kind of expand on the category that I'm tossing him in. Let's go him, Jared Goff, Ryan Fitzpatrick. Let's toss, um, oh my God, I had someone else in my mind. Who was it? Uh, why am I forgetting this? Anyway, but like those kind of guys, where they're they're good, you can win games with them. I think Nick Foles is another guy that was in that category. Um, they just won't elevate your team consistently, like Ben Roethlisberger did for a long time, like Tom Brady has done since literally the day he was born. Yeah, I mean, when Peyton Manning did. Carson Wentz is another dude I would toss into that category. Yeah, I mean, I look at, I mean, I look at Carr in a category of like, you know, Carson Palmer or Andy Dalton. Sure, uh, sure. Like Matt Stafford. Yep, like that was actually that was my guy. That like, was my guy. Andy Dalton was my guy. The guys that you know, they were good. Like look at like if you look at Carson Palmer when he was with Cincinnati and when with he ended his career in Arizona and you could like same guy, same skill set, but a lot better team in Arizona than he ever had in, in uh, Cincinnati. You know, I think Andy Dalton, he had his injuries, which has hurt him now. He's not the same quarterback that he was three, four years ago, but Stafford is another example of a guy who 
the situation around him was never consistently good. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why I have Derek Carr in that kind of category. A quarterback who's good yeah. and, and possibly even elite, but doesn't have a consistent supporting cast year to year to actually make noise. In this category, though, I think you have guys that can win, right? Joe Flacco won a Super Bowl. I would describe him as okay, not great. Ryan Tannehill? Ryan Tannehill. He's won a lot of football games recently, but it's a lot to do with the team around him. He's okay. Wouldn't say he's great. Carson Palmer, like you said. Palmer has a Super Bowl. No, I don't think he ever – no, he never won one. Or does he? No. No. Well, Jimmy Garoppolo, another guy. He's made it to a Super Bowl. Yeah. He's okay. Not elite. Not great. You know, Carson Wentz had that one season where he went nuts with the Eagles and he probably would have won the Super Bowl if he didn't get hurt. He's okay. He's not elite. Yeah, there, I mean, there are guys all over the place that are like that. You can win with those guys. You just can't build dynasties like the Patriots did or the Steelers have done. Yeah. But yeah, it's just like, it's going to be interesting. I think I agree though, that this is a defining moment for Carr in his, in his career. He needs to make the playoffs mm-hmm. this year, which is going to be hard. Yes. All four teams yeah, in that especially- division can make the playoffs. They are all playoff caliber mm-hmm. teams. So it's going to be hard. Yeah. So those in-division games, you know, the Steelers, like, and here's the thing is that, you know, they, they play the Steelers in week two, but their own division, you know, the Chargers play the Cowboys, KC plays the Ravens, and Denver plays Jacksonville. So the chances of, you know, I think the Chargers can beat the Cowboys. KC should beat the Ravens and, and you know, Denver should beat the Jaguars. So going in, going one and one in a division where all three other three teams have the ability to go two and zero is not good. They need to win this week. They need to beat the yeah. Steelers. Yeah. Um, yes. But it's baseball time. Yeah, it's a uh, it's a little bit of baseball. We'll we'll do a little bit of baseball before heading into some Formula One talk. But with how think with uh, the. Rays, or with the Jays losing tonight, they fall in a tie with the Seattle or with uh, Boston and New York. And I mean, it wasn't. It was only a couple of weeks ago that the the Jays were six or seven nine, games back, nine games back. Was it? They were nine yeah. games back, nine and nine and a half games back of the wild card. They're now sitting in the second wild card spot because the Yankees won today. Uh, the Jays lost, and Boston is currently in a game. And if they were to win, Toronto would be out of the playoffs. But they were nine and a half games back of the Yankees. They are now in the midst of a playoff battle. It's crazy what a couple of weeks can do in baseball with some solid pitching and consistent hitting. You just named it. Solid pitching is the difference. And, you know, there was a while where they were getting solid pitching and they just couldn't hit. They weren't scoring runs. And then here you go. You scored 44 runs in 24 hours in Baltimore. You score a bunch of runs in New York. You scored a bunch of runs last night against Tampa Bay, and you're going to have games where you get beat, right? You're going to have games where you don't score any runs, and you just you lose 2-0. That's going to happen, and you're, pay- you're playing against Tampa Bay, right? They're a good baseball team. The thing is you have to just win the series that you're playing right now, and I think this is a three-game series against Tampa Bay. Yeah, You win tomorrow, you win the series. That's good enough. You know, you won the series in Baltimore. You took 
three of four, including two doubleheaders. You swept the Yankees. Like, they are beating the teams that they need to beat right now. Yeah. And I think they have the Orioles coming up again. Yep. You got to you gotta take it. Yeah. Kind of have to sweep that series in a way. Like, you'd really, really like to sweep that series. Yes, 100%. Because, yeah, they have – yeah, so they play the Rays, and they play the Twins, and then the Rays again, and then the Twins again. Mm-hmm. And then, the, like, their last – And the Twins aren't very good either. No, you have two series against the the Yankee of the Twins that you should win. Yep. Uh, you you want to sweep those series. Um, they have the Rays one more time. They have the Twins again. They have the Yankees and the 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 Orioles ten this season. Yeah. So I don't know. And the Red Sox are in a COVID outbreak. So yeah. So you what? There's what probably like 15, 20 games left. Yeah, there's not many. You're down to the home stretch now. And again, like a lot of them are against the Yankees. Those are games that if you win them, you're in the driver's seat. It, like as long as you beat the Orioles and you beat the Twins. Yeah, I mean right? you have you have 17 games left. Probably got to go 12 and 5, 13 and 13 and 4. You want it the easy way? Win out. Well, yeah, just just win out, just, sweep everything. What, what do they got? 6 games left against the Yankees. They got three games left against the Yankees. They oh, got sorry, four three. Games, four games left against the Rays. They have six games against the Twins and then three games against the, the Orioles. So basically at this point, the Jays control their own destiny. Yeah. You you sweep the Yankees again. You you win the series against the Rays. Easier said than done, of course. But like you are playing good baseball teams right now. But when you get to the playoffs, you have to beat good baseball teams. Yeah. But you beat the Yankees already. Um if you can win another game against the, or, you know, win what four, they have four games left against the Rays now. Yep. If you win three of them, you're set yep. in you, terms of that. Like, and then you three, just, you win, if you win every series, you're set. Oh, it's pretty much all you have to do. Just win the series. It's all three game sets. Oh wait, it's a four game set against the twins. So you have seven games against the twins. Yeah. So you just win those series, and then you control what you got to control. You just it's all the go Jays five and two do. against the Twins, and then go three four and two against, against four and two against the Orioles, and three and zero against the Yankees, and Bing Bang Boom, you're in a playoff spot, probably first wild card at that point too. Hopefully, and I mean, who knows what happens? But you just you if you're if you're the the Blue Jays, you just control what you got to control, and you yeah. go from there. Yeah, that's. I mean, we make it sound so simple. It's not. Like, I mean, it is, it is going actually to be, pretty simple. It's going you to be can't. hard to make the playoffs, though. Well, like, yes, but I think if you're the Jays, like you have to take every, you take game by game, and you control. You can't control what Boston, or the Yankees, or the A's or the Mariners do, right? Like, I mean, you can when you play the Yankees, but outside of that, you can't control what happens with them. Mm-hmm. All you can do is is controlling the games that you're in and winning the games that you play. And this is, this is the great thing about the group that they have, too, especially when you're led by such a young group who has been together for so long and they've won championships together. This group seems to just have the ability to be like, oh, we got trounced 11-0 last night? Who cares? Like, it's it's on its moral. Like, sure, we got no hit. Who cares? Let's let's go and get 15 hits tonight and win the game. And yeah, I, like- that's something that the Yankees have seemed to be, like, lost. You know? They... They lost that first game of the series against the Jays, and after that, it was just like gone. They just it just never felt like they were going to win. 
the Orioles won the first game, and then the Jays piled on those runs at the bottom at the top of the seventh, and boom, they were gone. It, it just felt like they were never going to get a win after that in, that in the rest of the series, even though they were getting the Jays were getting no hit for a while in game two of the doubleheader, but whatever. And they came back to win, like <laughs> and scored eleven runs at the top of the seventh. Yeah. So like, but again, it's just like this team is never out. So all you have to do is focus on your own game. Don't focus mm-hmm. on the schedule. Don't focus. Don't. Don't watch the standings. Don't focus on that. Just take every game as is, work one game at a time. And and if you win and you do your part, you, you hopefully do enough even, that you can win. And if not, even smaller too, turn off the scoreboards. Just forget the scoreboard exists. Just go yeah. up and take your plate appearance and get on base. Like that, that's really baseball is such a simple game when it comes down to it. Scoreboard doesn't matter because even if you're losing 11 nothing, you can come back and win. You just need to put hits together. And I think that's yeah. something the Jays have been fantastic at doing. Their pitchers are turning it off and they're just focusing on each batter. They're not messing around, worried about other things. They're just going after the batteries at, at, at the plate. And the, the batters are doing the same thing on the Jays. Like they're they're just going up there, and it seems like the goal is just get on base by any means necessary, and it's working for them. Yes. Um, but before we jump into Formula One, uh, just a quick uh, shout out to the U uh, Sports kicking off this weekend. We've got OUA and uh, AUS starting this week. It's a full lineup of games for, for both uh, leagues. Uh, OUA has the five games, Ottawa at Toronto, York at Laurier, McMaster at Western, who's in a lot of trouble right now, but that's a different issue than sports. Uh, Carlton is uh, taking on Queens. Um, and then Windsor is at Waterloo. All games are free to watch for the OUA. Uh, head on over to OUA TV and you can check it out. Uh, and then in the AUS, you have St. FX and St. Mary's on Friday. And then on Saturday, it's Acadia against Mount Allison going up there. And then we are into week four of our, of the RSEQ season uh, with the Concordia Stingers going against the McGill Redbirds, uh, both teams are one and one. Um, Concordia is coming off of a win over Montreal in week three. McGill is on what's coming off a bye. And then you have Montreal one and one with that loss to Concordia the following week. And Laval, at Laval, who's two and one, losing to Sherbrooke in week three, giving Sherbrooke their first one of the season. So a lot of you sports out there for you to take in. I'm. Uh, I, it's honestly been a lot of fun to watch. Most of the U Sports is free to watch. You just have to head on over to usports.ca to check it out. But with that being said, let's on head over back to Frank. Shout you back, Frankie, to finish us off with some F1 talk. Shane, are you a McLaren fan? I'm not really a fan of any specific team. There's a lot of racers I like. Like I like when I started watching F1 with my mom. For some reason, I always just like. Sebastian Vettel was my favorite racer. I don't know why. I don't know why I started liking him, but I just did. I think he has a cool last name. That's probably why I got into it. But I don't Seb's think... pretty cool. Seb is just a great down to earth kind of guy, though. Yeah, like I just I don't know. I always liked him, but I don't really have a team. I just I like watching the races. I don't really care who wins. Yeah. Okay. So let's let's go through the grid here then. Okay. George Russell confirmed going to Mercedes at the end of the season. He yeah. had a really good weekend with Williams, right? He scored points. But you know what the crazy thing about this race is? If this would have happened three weeks ago or four weeks ago, whatever, before the uh, the summer break, 
George Russell scoring points would have been literally the biggest headline of the weekend. It wouldn't have mattered, but nobody's talking about it. And I don't know if that's because he's scored points and he's got a podium now and, you know, all that other stuff, but, or if it was because of the McLaren one, two and the massive max and, and Lewis crash, whatever. Nobody's talking about George. Nobody is also talking about Nicholas Latifi who, since he scored points uh, at Hungary has looked very good. And it's almost like now that he has points and he has some confidence, Latifi, who's Canadian, by the way, and also confirmed back at Williams for next season, is kind of finding his groove a little bit. And I think that's really good news for Canadian Formula One fans because we like having Canadians on the grid. Um, but I also have to talk about the Alfa Romeo boys a little bit here, Shane, because Kimi Raikkonen tested positive for COVID in Ooh, in the Netherlands. Uh, so he missed that race. Robert Kubitz has been replacing him. Kubitz stinks. <laughs> he he uh, just not good. Like, I mean, he's old, past his prime, whatever. Um, obviously done. Antonio Giovinazzi, man. Uh, he had a fantastic qualifying, a fantastic sprint race. He started inside the top 10 and then he crashed basically. And whether it was his fault or not, it's, it's unfortunate to see because I really like Antonio Giovinazzi. He's kind of a, a quiet down to earth guy that you don't really hear a lot out of, but I really would like to see him do well. And it's difficult to see that he consistently shows you that he has talent and he just can't do anything. And I think that might be limitations with the car. Um, I don't know. I, I just I really hope that he gets signed to that seat next season. He can race alongside Valtteri Bottas in Alfa Romeo. Um, but you know, I don't know. I don't know how it looks for him. I I don't know if he's gonna have a seat in F one next season. Yeah, I think I saw a couple of like uh, different players, like racers moving around and whatnot. Um, I think you know with uh, Hamilton signing up with Mercedes, it kind of threw everything for a loop. Because I know there was talk early in the season where he might walk away from Mercedes and might even retire at the end of the mm -hmm. year. And there was talk of which racers replace him at Mercedes. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see what happens. Yeah, I, I think there's only one or two seats left to be filled. Um, because the Mercedes are confirmed it's going to be Hamilton and George Russell. The Red yeah. Bulls are confirmed it's going to be Max Verstappen and Sergio Perez. Whether Perez deserves it or not is up for debate. McLaren is likely still going to be Ricardo and Lando. Uh, the AlphaTauri is going to be Yuki Sonoda, who, by the way, doesn't deserve a seat in Formula One. I don't know why they're bringing him back. He got outperformed by Nikita Mazepin so far this year. Like, the dude is is bad. Like, he shouldn't be in Formula One. He's cost that AlphaTauri team so much money because he crashes constantly. Just get him out. Like, um, Alpine's confirmed. Akon and Fernando Alonso, who's looked really freaking good. Um, Ferrari is also confirmed with Leclerc and Sainz. Aston Martin uh, is likely just going to stay Stroll and Vettel, even though I've heard some Probably. rumors that they want Vettel out, which wouldn't surprise me because they kind of want that Stroll to be the guy there. Um, I thought Vettel was gonna was thinking about retiring at the end of the year. I don't, I don't think know. so. I think I think he's almost found. It seems like he's found his love for driving again. I think Ferrari kind of crushed him. And Probably. they treated him like shit at Ferrari, to be frank. So 
I think now he's on a team that he's confident can win in the future, and they they treat him well, to be honest. So uh, I think he sticks around. Um, I think, yeah, I think it's only the one seat, man. That's not confirmed because Williams is Latifi and Albon, which I think is going to be a very interesting pairing. Uh, so I think it's just the Giovinazzi seat that we're waiting on right now, unless I'm crazy and I'm missing something. Yeah, I mean, you've you've been definitely following this more than I have, so I'm not 100%. Like Because Raikkonen's retiring. With everything. Yeah. Yeah, I know that. I saw that. So I'm not up to date with everything going on in Formula One world. It's just things that I've, I've seen over the last couple of days of yeah. how there's rumors of certain drivers retiring or, or whatnot. So I think the second Alfa Romeo seat is the only one up for grabs. And I really hope it's Antonio Giovinazzi. I think he deserves it. But on to the actual race at Monza, man. Uh, last season, we all know Pierre Gasly won this race. And this season was wild. I'm... Still flabbergasted that Daniel Ricciardo got such a good start and and was in first place by the first corner. Um, I was not expecting him to get that kind of jump on Max. Um, this this whole race was just crazy. Like Lando finishing P two with Danny Rick was one of the best podium celebrations I've ever seen. The crash and just everything that led up to the crash between Lewis and Max. Uh, Max's long pit stop. Lewis's long pit stop, uh, the part where Max mounts Lewis. And really, we have to shout out the crash structure and engineering that's been done because without the roll bars and without the halo, this weekend has a very different tone to it because we lose the world championship driver because he's dead. To be completely – like, it's that simple. Without the, uh, the, the science and everything that went into building these cars the way they are today, Lewis Hamilton is dead. And I, I can't overstate that enough, Shane, because like it's wild to look at those pictures and see that it's so obvious without that halo, his head might be rolling across the track. Yeah, not no one wants that. Like, I don't know. The, just thank God for the the engineering and the science and the people who dedicate their lives to making motorsports safer, uh, and the marshals too, who went in there and got that situation taken care of quickly. Who are basically risking their lives every single weekend they're out there. Um, those people don't get enough thanks, and it's the reason Lewis Hamilton is going to race in two weeks and the reason why Formula One isn't pausing after losing a seven-time world championship, a champion driver like they did Ayrton Zana. So I didn't realize how close it was to his head. He got hit in the head with his tire. Yeah, I didn't realize that when I saw the video. Yeah, it... But looking like, at the pictures, now, it, it could like, have been so bad. It could have been so so bad. Yeah, honestly, I, I I'm hot. Like seeing these pictures, like like there, there's been jokes about it. I've seen memes where there's like tire marks on Hamilton's forehead, and you know what? It's all uh, I think it's all good natured, but like it, it's just it's wild to think if that if that exact crash would have happened a year before these halos were brought in. Say that crash happened in 2014. That's Lewis Hamilton's last time driving a car. Yeah, uh, it's right. crazy. Like that's it, – it really brings the tone of the showdown too because you're thinking about like what could have been and just thank God that it wasn't that. And I said it. If, if that halo wasn't there and that roll bar wasn't there, we wouldn't be talking about Daniel Ricciardo and Landon. Norris finishing one, two. We wouldn't be talking about George Russell having a great weekend. We wouldn't talking about Nicholas Latifi finishing in 11th and having a strong showing. 
like we wouldn't be talking about any of that because we'd be more in the death of a, of a driver. Yeah. And it's kind so of thank crazy God for, for, like, for all the science. Yeah. And people say that, Oh, like the science, like some of these things have made probably the cars worse. Nah, safety, safety is the most important. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, the most important thing when it comes to racing. Um, you think about it, man, like this is, this is no joke, right? If though, if that halo was not there, in the last two seasons of Formula One, we would have had two deaths. Lewis yep. Hamilton last weekend and Roman Grosjean's. He would, I, I saw somebody say that the halo may have been preventing him from getting out of the wreck. But you know what? Without the halo on that car, in that situation at Bahrain, he doesn't have a head anymore. So it doesn't matter. So, like, without that halo, for real, like, no joke, we'd be down. We'd have two deaths in the last two years at least. We're, we're really fortunate that they have these. Yeah, no, 100%. Um, I mean, hey, hopefully next weekend, uh, their next race, there's a lot more to talk about, like more positives to talk about. Yes. By the way, Max, Ver, Verstappen did also get a three-place grid penalty for Russia. Yeah, I saw that. Um, it's likely not going to affect him, to be honest with you, because he's probably going to take a new ICE anyway. He's going to take a whole new engine because of what happened in Silverstone. That, that one was kind of just totaled. Uh, after minimal use, uh, Valtteri Bottas did that this week and still had a good. By the way, they haven't even mentioned Valtteri. What a friggin' drive from Valtteri. He, he qualified P1 in the sprint race. He defended it beautifully and he got sent all the way to the back. He started 20th in the actual race and he fought his way back up to P3. Had he been able to clear Sergio Perez a little bit earlier, he probably would have won the race. Like, Valtteri did not get enough credit for the drive that he had this weekend. Why did, how did he end up at P20? Like how did that, he get it's the on? same it's the same thing as Max. So he took a brand new ICE. So you get three internal combustion engines in a season. He took his fourth. So you can do uh, that, but it's like it's a bunch of it's like a 45 place grid penalty or something like that. So it just sends him all the way to the back. Okay. That's, That's why Max Max is going to start at the back of the grid next weekend. That makes sense cuz I was trying to figure out how he ended up. Like I was reading the articles and I wasn't really sure how we ended up at the back yeah. of the the poll when this he is, won. This is likely something Lewis is going to have to do as well. I wouldn't honestly be too shocked to see him do it next weekend too. But, well, we'll have to wait and see for that. I think like He might pick a different spot to do it and just try to win the race and put some yeah. points up on Max. That's probably like do it on a weekend where Max like so he can get some points. It's advantage. a risky thing though because the Red Bull are talking about doing it at Russia because that's a track they believe they can make up a bunch of positions at. Other than there, there there's not too many circuits on the calendar that are left where overtaking is easy. That's um, fair. So unless some like some of the ones that are easier like the USA is pretty late in the season. So his engine probably won't make it there anyway. So I don't know. This might be an opportunity where we see them both start at the back and try to pick their way through. That makes sense. Uh, but man, the next episode, next week's episode is going to be crazy because there'll be a lot to talk about. A lot of sports. We're going to be into basically the the stretch run of of baseball playoffs of uh, the the baseball season. Um, the final, the final, basically the final three weeks of uh, baseball season. The NHL season kicking off camp next week. Uh, OHL or CHL is, is in full swing with camps. Uh, NBA is starting up soon. 
uh, OUA, like you sports are going to get in the thick of things with the Canada West kicking off. Uh, CFL season is getting a little bit more intense. There's going to be a lot of sports to talk about. Yeah. And here we are. I don't know how long this episode is going to end up being by the time it goes up, but we are now at an hour and 36 minutes. So, so maybe, uh, maybe next week we'll, we'll have it all cut into two halves and and whatnot. But with that being said, guys, I appreciate, we appreciate all you listening and staying with us for the, the full episode. If you like it, share it, tell your friends about it. If you're on YouTube, subscribe, like, share, comment on the video. Again, catching on whatever platform you are for your podcast, share it, send it to your friends, get them listening Follow myself, Shane underscore Rye, R-Y-13 at Twitter. Frankie at Frankie, on ben, uh, Frankie underscore Benvo. 13th Man Sports on Twitter, Instagram, Twi- uh, Facebook, uh, TikTok, all that fun stuff. Also remember to check out the network, 13th Man uh, Network, for all the podcast stuff. This is where we're going to be posting videos, clips, everything about podcasts. Right? We've also introduced a new show, the weekly wrap-up. Uh, or weekly wraparound show with myself and David. We'll be doing some NHL coverage uh, every week with episodes dropping Monday morning at 10 o'clock. So you will want to make sure you're tuned in for that. Anyways, thank you all for listening. We'll catch you back here next Wednesday with a brand new episode of 13th Man Sports. Stay safe and we'll catch you next week.